right, all right, all right. Welcome to this early April edition of the GFP podcast and blast. I'm your host, communication specialist Chris Hull. Got another awesome episode with you today. I sat down with Dave Lucchese, who is the kind of in charge of the fisheries crews down in the southeast corner of the state. Probably a little bit overlooked portion of the state as far as fisheries go. They don't have the most uh, sexy or glamorous fisheries, but there's a ton of good fisheries around there, and they get overlooked. And if you're in that Sioux Falls area um, and you don't have a full day or two to go fishing, I'd definitely encourage you to give this podcast a listen. Dave gives up some really good gem fisheries in his area, and we talk bullhead fries. We talk Yvonne Goolagong, the famous tennis player. Um, talk a bunch of good stuff about those fishing opportunities in the southeast portion of the state. So give it a listen and uh, hope you like it. It's Welcome, welcome back to this kind of dreary early April day and a dreary, hopefully not dreary April episode of the South Dakota Game Fish and Parks Podcast and Blast. I am Chris Hall, Communications Specialist with uh, Game Fish and Parks, and I am here today with the John McEnroe of Game Fish and Parks. I was going to say Yvonne Goolagong, but I don't think anybody would remember that, but uh no, from uh, Sioux Falls, uh, Dave Lucchese. Dave, how's it going today, man? Good. And I did watch Yvonne Gulagong play tennis on TV many years ago. I, I, th- I think I did too, but I, I was trying to think of a name to come up with, and I started laughing with that one. I'm like, nobody's going to remember that. So, um, Dave, you're on the Sioux Falls office. What's your What's your title? Are you regional fishery supervisor? What's your title there? Yeah, I think they call us the area fisheries supervisor, and the area I cover is uh, is the southeast fish management area, and that uh, that starts up in the north end at Lake Albert. We don't have Lake Ponset in our in our area, Brookings County, and and runs west over towards Huron, and even a little farther west towards Woonsocket. Uh, and then down down to the Plankington area, and then and then all the way down to the river and uh, and Sioux City. Now we don't we don't manage uh, the Missouri River fisheries, but all those inland fisheries uh, within that area. Sure, pretty. I mean, you you think about it, you look at that, and it's it's pretty diverse. It's pretty different as far as maybe some of the other areas, but it, it's. If you were gonna, if somebody was gonna ask you like your top five lakes in your area, you could name them pretty quickly. What would they be? Yeah, probably it'd be our our biggest waters, um, Lake Thompson, maybe number one, uh, uh, Lake Sinai, uh, right up there in in the in the top uh, top five. Uh, Whitewood is really good in the wintertime. I'd say it's it it'd be right in there. West eighty one Lake. Uh, that's a diverse fishery with bass, muskie, walleye, you name it. Um, and, and then uh, 
I'd have to, and some people might disagree, but Lake Mitchell is an awfully good pan fishery and and cat fishery, and uh, and and that would be a good one. Um, and maybe to round it out, if you grouped them as a whole, the Madison Lakes, Lake Madison, uh, uh, that's a pretty good diverse fishery, natural lake there. So 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 those waters would probably be tops for fishing pressure and consistency of good fishing. Sure. Dave, how much do you, how long have you been with the department? Uh, I started in 88, so this will be my, uh, my 34th year. Yeah. Uh, so a while. Yeah. Are you, are you still uh, low enough on the list? You got to go out and do, uh, do uh, like walleye spawning. Are you getting ready for walleye spawning at all or? I am. Yeah. You know, I, I'm basically an office rat, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, certain times of the year, uh, walleye spawning included, I, I'll join our, our fish crew down here and uh, and and we're probably going to be spending most of our time out by Mobridge on the Morrow River helping with that operation. But we do have a small operation uh, that we're going to run in southeastern South Dakota. Oh, yeah. we'll, yep, that will focus on uh, probably lakes up in that northern tier, uh, West 81 Lake. Uh, Lake Sinai, Brush Lake. Um, that's usually where we're going to take most of our walleye eggs. Sure. And um, you're kind of the, you've kind of got the, the musky thing cornered for the most part in the state. Are we doing anything with, with stocking or moving or any, doing anything with muskies this year? You know, um, I think I think we're not really going to take a look at muskies this spring. We might we might pit tag a few of them if they show up in our walleye spawning nets. Uh, in the past, we have done some of that, but yeah, we've got we've got a couple of lakes up in that up in that northern tier, uh, West 81 Lake again, Lake Sinai, and then there's a little pond up off of Highway 14 uh, uh, called Little Brush Lake. It would be just to the east of Big Brush Lake. Um, mm -hmm. Which is a pretty good walleye perch fishery, but but that's got some uh, nice muskies, quite a few fish over 40 inches. And the reason that small body of water has them is we used it as a musky rearing pond. But uh, if you hit the right day, I've heard of people catching multiple muskies, nice big fish in a single day. Yeah, that's cool. We were talking before <clears throat> before we got on on the actual podcast about some just overviews and outlooks and stuff you've got everything is ice ice off everything in your area yeah i think there was a really weird year because um usually the ice goes off our ponds sloughs small lakes first <clears throat> and and then and then we get ice off on the on the bigger waters and and it was the exact opposite this year you know ice went off of uh off of lake thompson whitewood some of those before it went off uh golly uh little little community fishing ponds and i think the wind played a big role there you know once that ice got rotten uh the wind broke it up and these mm -hmm. these more protected ponds uh did pretty well they are as far as keeping ice right <clears throat> and you're you're uh I, I mean i'm assuming the lakes and ponds and stuff are in good shape but you're you're low your water levels are low just like pretty much everywhere else right yeah, we are. Uh, in fact, we anticipated uh, if we'd had a bad winter this year that we would have had a lot of fish kill. Um, we did have a, a pretty significant kill on Lake Campbell, but it, it looks like rather than low oxygen, 
um, it, it was due to gas bubble disease. You get a buildup of oxygen and other gases uh, in the water under the ice, and that that's uh, harmful to fish too. And it seems to really have hit the, the catfish population in there hard, as well as some other species. We did set test nets after that event occurred and found lots of uh, little saw guys in those two test nets, as well as some bigger saw guys, channel catfish, um, and a variety of other species. So it, it wasn't a complete loss, and it looks like there might be some good recruitment of these saw guys down the road. Good. And, it, you know, it, it is interesting because I started our department Facebook page, I don't know, 15, 16 years ago, and, and everybody was kind of against it. But the, the I remember distinctly one of the first big turning points was um, that there was a spring, you know, it came spring, and like people were sending us pictures of fish kills in areas. And I was like, okay, and calling our fish managers and fish guys and going out and seemed like, you know, that the word traveled a little bit quicker and guys were able to, our guys and gals were able to get out there and look around and we could respond in, in you know, kind of a wider brushing way. And um, it, it certainly seems like when we get fish kills, you know, even in the summer, if we get one at Madison or something, Man, we hear about them quickly over over social media, and so for what it's worth. Yeah, you know that that actually was the case this spring. Um, somebody somebody spotted uh, uh, pictures of dead fish, and and they, on Facebook somebody had posted pictures of dead fish on Lake Campbell, and and that was our first notification that, right. that something had happened, and so and so yeah. Yeah, actually, um, we used to measure oxygen levels in the winter. We typically don't do that anymore because it wasn't a very reliable indicator. And and often, right when the ice goes off and people are looking around, that's when we get our first uh, first inclination that something might have gone bad or a lake might have killed. Right. Um, talked about some of your better known uh, fisheries, and and you brought up whitewood and and you know growing up in the northeast corner and and you know I, I remember you know the boom the water boom and and some of these fisheries kind of really exploding and whitewood would be one of them but what what do you think it is about a lake especially like whitewood that the fishing can be so good in the winter and then in the, in the open water season it you know it just doesn't seem to produce anything or much yeah, you know, um, that's that's a good question. Um, our, our best guess with yellow perch and stuff like that is that is that these lakes are it's all shallow. Um, all of those shallow sediments uh, are full of aquatic insects and and you get these massive hatches of midges and 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 you get production of a lot of small fish. And and so in the summertime, these fish are just so full of food that until until you get into that winter period where they get it cropped down somewhat and there isn't continuous production, um, they're just so fat and happy they they really don't need to bite. And so and so once sure. the ice goes on and 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 maybe they you know fish like pike especially and and, and perch uh, get a little hungrier and food gets a little more scarce, they become catchable. Sure, it probably, you know you'd liken it to maybe like the baby gizzard shad lull here on in you know the pier area where you might not see the bait or you might not even realize what it is but those fish are just laying there with millions of opportunities coming by their face at any given time yep um and you know i i talked i 
right? I go by there all the time and, and thinking about places like Lake Preston and some of those places where it produced those, just those huge perch, um, you know, back in the day and in where, and even Thompson, um, how was that winter fishing like on Thompson and, and is Preston got any, is it, is it so low that you can't really fish much or? You know, yeah, I'll start with Preston, and and, and I fished it. I remember uh, that was the winter of 95, 96, yep. and, and there were weekends that there were a 1,000 vehicles out on that lake, and and I think the state record yellow perch was broken once or twice, and there were just yep. these mammoth perch being caught. And, and since then, you know, a, a few years after that, there were some okay short-term fisheries, and then we got a... a series of winter kills but honestly there have been perch in northern pike in preston um probably most years ever since uh and people try to fish for them but they they just they just don't catch them however we have gone in there because of the uh chance of winter kill every year and we've moved those fish out into community fishing ponds where you know youth can catch pike and stuff sure. like that and uh and they've served as a good source of fish uh, for those, but but yeah, uh, for some one reason or another, they ever since that that boom period, uh, fishing has not been good. Sure. What about Thompson? Was Thompson pretty good this winter? I I heard some, but not a whole lot, I guess. Um. Yeah. Um. Thompson. Uh, Thompson was. Uh, it wasn't gangbusters. Um. But it started out, uh, there were periods on Schaefer's Slough up on the north uh, northeast side where uh, the crappie fishing was excellent. Um, the uh, They caught perch. Northern pike were abundant uh, throughout. And they had some pretty good periods of walleye fishing. Uh, and then also in the main lake, uh, guys that went out, typically out there, they'll, they'll bring their, their permi shacks out set them out on a Friday night and then fish till Sunday noon um, and, and pull them off. And I think people who did that had some reasonably good success on walleyes and Northern Pike. Good. What, um, let's talk about timing. You know, everybody's probably getting the itch. I've been out, you know, a bunch shore fishing. For some reason, I just, I love to shore fish. It just scratches the itch, I guess, for me. But, um, maybe a little early but let's talk about the timing like that this like now april you know the next probably four weeks what are you what are you seeing for angling you know where are the fish but where are you seeing pressure and where should people be thinking about fishing i guess you know i mean a traditional spot is over on that west shore of lake thompson i think the fish spawn there there's a reasonably good walleye population in the lake uh also old ham grade on the south end of that lake but but I think we've got a number of, of, of sleeper lakes, uh, smaller lakes that have uh, good either walleye and or walleye sauger cross saugai, uh, stocked saugai populations in them. And uh, those lakes would include uh, uh, Goldsmith, um, just, uh, just northwest of Volga, uh, Oak Lake up in northeastern Brookings County, um, Campbell, if the kill wasn't too severe, I think there's still some nicer, bigger fish in there. And then, then a lake that was pretty hot this winter over by the town of Cavour, east of Huron there, Cavour Lake. And that produced a lot of eater-sized walleyes, 13 to 15-inch uh, 
uh, walleyes, or actually they were they were saw guys, and so and so those might be might be good this spring. In addition to the traditional favorites, uh, Thompson, possibly Madison, um, you know, Brant, some of those bigger perennial walleye fisheries. What uh, you know me, I'm a pike guy. What about northern pike and that that spring bite? You got any any lakes or any you know any places that got really good pike populations? I pro it would probably be easier to name the lakes that don't have good don't, pike populations right, right now. Uh, you know we we are riding the uh, the pike wave right now. 2019, the high water in 2019 uh, resulted in some really good pike reproduction. Um, I think we've got pretty good pike numbers in most of our lakes, including, including the Oak woods. Um, gosh, you know, Thompson, I know they caught all kinds of pike in Whitewood, but even like Lake Madison, Brant, some of those lakes have, have better than normal pike populations. And so, and so, you know, for the guys that are pulling uh, eight, nine dollar plugs, uh, it can get expensive. <laughs> but for the guys who love to fish pike, I think uh, this year could be a banner year. And you don't, you know, we did it up in the up in like Buffalo and Red Iron and stuff where we'd go and, and find a, you know, a little bit of an inflow or maybe where the lake is connected to a slough where those pike were getting ready to spawn or spawning and throw, you know, smelt and dead baits out and fish them that way like we do on Lake Oahe. You don't see that much around your country, though, do you? I mean, mostly people are casting spoons and doing that stuff, or do you yeah. have those guys that dead bait? Yeah, <clears throat> you, really, you really don't see that a ton around here. In fact, you don't see a ton of folks um, targeting pike. We have some anglers who do it through the ice. I did just get a report uh, um out of brookings there that some guys were going up to that albert chain um uh, mm -hmm. mary nor norton um albert and and they were catching pike up there and i would think that throwing out a smelt um or or a sucker or something like that uh in this cold water would be the best method to catch those fish but i guess they were having pretty good success good yeah, we spent a lot of a lot of weekends doing that stuff, hiding out from everybody and just kind of on the back end of some of those lakes. And there'd be eight, ten of us, you know, and, and I just thought everybody did it. And, and it's just I, until I moved to Pier and, and the guys on Hawaii targeting those really big fish and it, um, just it just doesn't happen. And I, I've always thought that that's probably one of the things that that anglers, especially families, because it's not that technical and you just throw it out and wait or you can cast, you know, a dollar spoon and and have a good chance of catching some really good fish. Yeah, I think that's changed even <clears throat> since I started uh, back 30 plus years ago. It seemed like there was a contingent of, uh, of anglers that would go out in the winter and specifically target pike. And I mean, it was a fairly large contingent. And and then in the spring, as you said, you know, fish, uh, fish dead baits for pike, and uh, and we seem to have lost some of those. Uh, I guess where it's picked up, at least in our region and up in the northeast, is dark house spearing, and that that yeah. seems to be growing in popularity. Yeah, it's it's growing here too. I mean, there's, and I would say even in the last four years, the the interest in spearing, and even the people that I know, um, you know, buying saws and 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 decoys and doing it i think some of that has to do with just the availability of the you know the tent style shafts and being able to get them dark enough to do it 
and you can get portable, right? You're not dragging out your dark house spear and cutting a big hole and then sitting there on the same spot all all season. You know, these these guys are moving maybe two or three times in a weekend or certainly, you know, a couple times over three days. So. Yeah, I think, uh, and, and in general, um, you know, we talked to uh, uh, Dakota Angler there, um, the owner of Dakota mm-hmm. Angler, and I don't know why his name's uh, slipping my mind right now, but this was about a year or two back, and, and he said for the first time his his sales of ice fishing-related gear, tackle, bait, et cetera, exceeded his summer fishing sales. So wow. that 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 kind of exemplifies how ice fishing and dark house spearing and all those winter activities have increased in popularity. Huh. Oh, that's that's surprising. I mean, it it's cool um, being an ice fisherman and and seeing that. I, um, yeah, that's interesting. Huh. So as we get into, you know, that May, you know, Mother's Day and, and into early June, are those shore opportunities still pretty good in your area? Are people now getting their boats mainly and, and you know, fishing those outside weed lines? What's going on in that, like, late spring time frame down there, Dave? You know, I would say Mother's Day, um, you still got, you still have potential for a pretty darn good shore bite on walleyes and and other species of fish. Um, Seems like once you get towards Memorial Day, even that free fishing weekend, um, uh, those walleyes are moving out onto those flats. Uh, Typically, the guys are catching them in in 8 to 10 feet of water. They're going out into the mud in 16 to 20 feet of water and and pulling plugs or, or or fishing spinner rigs and and at that point unless you've got flowing water that draws them near shore often they can be more difficult to catch but uh but you know we've got some other opportunities once once that time rolls around we've got some excellent uh cat fishing not only on the on the james big sioux and vermilion rivers but uh well, we've got a couple of impoundments, including Lake Mitchell, um, Lake Alvin, uh, Lake Carthage, and probably formerly Lake Campbell. Looks like we lost a lot of those catfish this winter that that produced some really fast action for, for channel cats uh, and, and nice size fish, too. Sure. Um, what What's the main forage in those lakes? Is it just generally minnows in general or small fry of, you know, smaller game fish fry or panfish fry what's the main forage in a lot of those places yeah you know i think i think it is it is those things however i think the channel cats often um are feeding on on insects uh you know chironomids those midge larvae uh whatever they can get their hands on but uh but you know they'll eat fish but but they aren't really primarily targeting uh targeting fish i think they're 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 more toward the uh the insect side of things sure and what about you know like you're talking about mother's day historically and it, it's kind of gone away a little bit here in the pier area but historically in pier you know that mother's day was really when the white bass runs were were going and and man the shorelines were lined with folks and and you know lots of people were catching lots of fish what about white bass down in your neck of the woods yeah, I want to say that's that's probably right right about in there that first week uh that first week in May uh um you know some of our lakes uh shoot uh well we've had an expansion of white bass uh unauthorized introductions into mm-hmm. a whole variety of lakes but uh 
but they hit them pretty hard in in early May and Thompson, uh, you name it, the Madison area lakes, West 81 Lake. Uh, I think they've most of them have have white bass in in them now. And then uh, then when you got more towards Memorial Day, it used to be there was a big bullhead bite on some right. lake, and and it used to actually attract folks. They'd come up. Uh, yeah, Iowa was kind of the running joke, but. Right. Uh, but they would they would show up in uh, that free fishing weekend and and throw out those crappie rigs with worms on them and catch some really nice bullheads in area lakes. That's kind of gone though too. I mean, you know, I remember that being a, a kid, at, you know, on Lake Travers and and up at the Mastinka and and you know even some of those hills hills lakes and man, you can't hardly find a bullhead anymore. Yeah, you know, and, and uh, they used to serve them. They used to have bullhead oh, feeds yeah. uh, with the commercial fishermen. They'd uh, they would uh, have bullhead feeds yep. at a lot of the restaurants, bars, and and uh, those those days do do seem to be gone. What do you think? What do you think happened there? Just high water, or you know, I think we still have good bullhead populations, even though bullhead numbers are down from what they were 20 plus years ago. Uh, I, I don't know if conditions just aren't right or if we've got some higher game fish uh, numbers in our lakes. But uh, I think I think for anybody who's willing to try, they can find some pretty good bullhead fishing. Uh, I don't know, um, you know tastes have maybe become a little more refined and right. uh and uh bullheads uh bullheads are it's a different type of meat and uh if you fry them crisp in the spring they're pretty good but yeah. uh with a lot of people eating walleye pike uh perch uh bullheads have kind of lost favor i and that's a shame because you know you talk about the feeds and the fries and stuff and man every town had them and you know, the commercial fishing industry that was in like Browns Valley, Minnesota and stuff and, you know, supplying Ike's Chicken Shack and, and you know, towns up and down the Minnesota, South Dakota borders. And um, we I took my family. I was up at our cabin a couple of Easter's back and little Buffalo Lake Resort had a had a buffalo or they had bullheads on Sundays. And God, I was excited. My dad was there and my family was there. And I took my wife and daughter and they both really liked fish and they were not impressed. <laughs> but they were really good bullheads. But they were like, eh, you know, kind of to your point with a different refined taste. And I looked at my wife, I said, you're from Philip. You should be eating any fish you could get your hands on, you know, so. Yeah, my wife likes fish, but uh, she worked at uh, at the Blue Denim, now Club Eden. Uh, right. She was oh, growing yeah. up in in Eden, and she said that she served a lot of bullheads, and if she never saw another one, that would be okay. <laughs> well, if I call your wife a muskrat, she'll know why and not take too much offense if she was working at the, the Blue Denim back in the day. Exactly. Um, so we're talking, you know, then, you know, summertime, obviously there's still some really good bites. Are, are, are folks focusing you know, the, that later, you know, midsummer, 4th of July, towards the end, are they focusing later in the evenings and on weed beds or what are they doing for fishing then dave you know i think uh i think a lot of the fishing turns to daytime once you get into june uh, i don't know if you get a little more color to the water you get some vegetation yeah. uh just the type of forage they're pursuing but daytime tends to tends to be deeper um 
But that said, you know, I think some of the anglers that that move shallow during that midsummer period and and hit it right, get into those shallow vegetated areas and know how to fish them either either cast, you know, cast swim baits, stuff like that, or plugs or or slip bobber fish right around the edge. They tend to catch some of those bigger walleyes because uh, I know when we do survey um, during that period, we see some walleyes and actually some big pike up shallow when you think water temperatures would would, would push them out of there. And so and so they, they make forays up into those shallow areas to uh, to feed. Sure. All right, I've asked this question to uh, some of your predecessors and they've all given me a dirty look when I asked them. So I'm down in your neck of the woods and I, you jump in my boat and I tell you, I want to catch as many species as I can in a day. Mm, what are yeah. they and how many? <laughs> yeah, I, I think you could probably, for the greatest diversity of fish, I would say probably hit the hit the Madison lakes, Lake Madison, you know, I think they mostly have the same. And I think out of Lake Madison, you could catch uh, Northern Pike, Yellow Perch. Um, let's see, Channel Catfish are in there, Bluegill, Black Crappie. Uh, you could probably, if you fished it right, hook a White Sucker, Black Bullhead, some Yellow Bullhead. Um, so, uh, green sunfish. I think if you worked it right, you might actually be able to catch uh, somewhere between ten and a dozen different species. Right on. And that 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 question came one day in a communications meeting. We were all just kind of talking about, you know, fishing, and and we get so caught up in the in the walleye fishing, or or you know, in the winter maybe targeting perch and stuff, and. And uh, Nick Harrington and I started talking about our most memorable memorable days, and and he he brought up he had a kid fishing with him, and the fish walleye fishing was slow, and he kind of they took a break, and they were eating, and they were back in you know one of the bays like at Okaboji, and the kid caught like seven species in fifteen minutes, and how the kid was just he goes I knew I had him, I knew I had him hooked right, and and I started talking about you know my early fishing days when. When living in Sisseton, our, our game warden was Doug Jones. And Doug would, the, the little cafe there, Melvin's Cafe, on a, on certain Saturdays, if you were there at, say, 8 o'clock in the morning, he would load you, throw you in the back of his game warden truck. We'd ride in the back of his truck, and there'd be a bunch of us, and he would take us down to, like, Jim Crick, where I had Lake Travers, or he would take us somewhere. And you would always, you know, I, I remember catching you know, walleyes and catching, we call them silver bass, but there was always like the one things that stuck out is like my buddy caught a stone cat and none of us knew what it was. And Doug had a little book and he looked it up and, you know, like, or catching some certain, oh, that's a carp. And then, no, it's a white sucker. Or, you know, like those are the things that you kind of remember. And, and we overlook so many of these species when we're chasing all this other stuff that it's just, it, it's always kind of caught our interest, especially that, you know, there's, you know, anytime the, the line tugs, it could be something that you've never seen or, or you know, something, you know, just you could really pile up different numbers of fish. So that's where that question really kind of comes from. Yeah, you know, and, and uh, honestly, for the folks that, that want to just have a peaceful, relaxing experience, if you go target these other species around here, bass species, uh, uh, catfish species, stuff like that, 
you, you don't have to fight crowds. You don't have to worry about somebody edging in on your spot or, or, or ruining your fishing. Um, you can be by yourself and, and have a really enjoyable, peaceful experience and, and, right. and have a lot of fun. Uh, right. so, so yeah, I think, uh, I think for those who are willing to try that or, or even micro fishing in our creeks around here, you know, you can catch all those, all those species that you might need a book to try to figure out yeah. what they are. Uh, this, that kind of actually leads well into my next question. You brought up community ponds, but let's talk some, about some community ponds and some urban fisheries, not only the ones that you have in your area, but what you do to, you know, help manage and, and even improve them. Well, we typically stock adult fish. Um, you know, we had kind of a unique experience this last winter. Uh, um, a lot of times we will stock trout, rainbow trout, from uh, from our hatcheries in the fall, and they provide a good ice fishery. But uh, uh, Prairie Aquatech out of Brookings uh, contacted us and said, hey, um, or they contacted uh, Mike Barnes and, and said, hey, uh, we've got 500 uh, Atlantic salmon, two pound plus class. Uh, we'll sell them to you for a fraction of their market value, and and Mike put them on put them on to us. And so two of our ponds, Family Park Lake and and Brookings Nature Park East, got those fish, and they provided a lot of excitement down at, at Family Park. Not so much at Nature Park, but uh, that was a really good experience. But also we just stock adult fish. Um, every year into most of these ponds, and we manage 40 to 50 of these, or 40 plus of these ponds each year, and they get northern pike, uh, white bass, crappies, um, sometimes bullheads, big bullheads, uh, largemouth bass, and and they really can provide, I would have given my eye teeth growing up in the Chicago area to have one of these ponds uh, nearby because you can go down and 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 expect to catch some really nice fish a lot of times kids will catch you know pound and a half two pounds sometimes even bigger bass or they'll, they'll right. look into a pretty good catfish right and you know i think family family park in sioux falls is probably the most famous one but uh, you know give us give us some other ones that you that you guys manage and, and that maybe get a lot of a lot of attention but maybe don't maybe some that don't you know, um, one of the best ones, and and Jason Sorensen, who you interviewed a while back, his dad mm -hmm. runs a fishing derby there in in late June. But the Freeman Kids Fishing Pond has an excellent fish population, really nice bass, bluegill, some channel catfish, some crappie. But all of these little towns, Freeman has a good pond, um, Hurley has a good pond, Harrisburg has a good pond in it. Uh, Brookings has four or five good ponds right. dotted around that town uh, that we manage as community fisheries. Uh, Baltic, uh, Trent, all of these little, most of these little towns have have some little fishing hole in them um, that we try to stock annually. And I think you can go with the reasonable expectation of walking down there and, and catching some sort of fun game fish. Yeah, and, and you know, I mean, you know me, I, I've always kind of been just like a fish just because it keeps me sane and I fish for fish's sake. But those those ponds and that program, especially what, what you do and in, in based out of the Sioux Falls area, you know, everybody thinks of, you know, fishing even to this day has got to be this all day thing. We're going to get in the boat. You know, I got to have all all of Saturday and I can't do chores because I'm going to be fishing. 
where that really isn't the case. And especially in those areas, if you just want to go out for 15, 20 minutes, cast a little bit and just rewind, you know, or unwind, um, or if you want to stay for a couple hours or whatever, I mean, those opportunities are right in, in your backyard. And just because it's not, you know, um, Francis case on a hot walleye bite or, or, you know, spending the weekend up in the Webster area, you know, fishing a bunch of different lakes, you know, those opportunities are right there and it can be, you can go out and fish and nobody even know you're gone. Yeah. And that's exactly the purpose. We manage them for, for youth families and, and novice anglers, but that's not to say uh, that, that even an experienced angler who doesn't have a lot of time, uh, available at a, on a particular day, can't go down and, and just take a few casts. Uh, uh, Nature Park East, we went down last Friday night and and caught seven trout, and it was it was fairly easy. It was fun. It was relaxing, right. and it was a five minute drive home instead of uh, forty five minutes. Right, no boat to clean up, and so yeah, that 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 to me is is something that we probably as a, as a department. You know, I know the communities and everything appreciate it, but I don't know if we push that uh, enough, those just those quick experiences. And it's, especially with now with like, you know, my kid being an eighth grader and she's got activities all the time, you know, for me to find a day where her and I are going to go out and pike fish all day or even ice fish all day, uh, it's going to happen once a winter and once a spring and once a summer and once a fall, you know, but those those things where, okay, we're going to go run the dogs for 15 minutes and then we're going to go and, and cast for a half an hour. Those are, you know, those can be weekly experiences pretty easy. And if you get not into the habit, but if you get enough of that and you get a little bit of success, I find she, she's just, she'll be the one to bring it up. Hey, aren't we fishing today? And it's, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go. You know, even if the weather isn't perfect, she wants to go. Yeah, and that that is the intention of those. And even though they get hit fairly hard, what we found is a lot of people are uh, are, are releasing what they catch. Um, what's a really big attraction for 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 young people, call it age ten and all the way up through twenty five, thirty years old, is they are targeting bass. I mean, they're they're chucking plastics and spinner baits and you right. name it, sluggos and top water. And, and most of these ponds do contain some nice bass in them. And so, and so that, that is their target. Sure. Yeah, that, that's, and those bass fishermen are the one, are the ones that really have, have, uh, you know, the catch and release thing, you know, even in pier, you know, it, where it's walleye centric and everything, man, you still get crossways looks. If you, if you would show up somewhere with a couple of largemouth from a pond that you were cleaning people would be giving you kind of crossways looks going aren't you supposed to throw those back so they kind of keep themselves self-regulated i guess yeah what oh go ahead sorry no no go ahead chris um you know i'm talking to the, the first one of these i did was with you brought him up jason Sorensen, and and he, you know he's got the opportunity and he's done a good job with our paddlefish spawning efforts and working with Gavin's point and, and that fishery. So we, we always talk about like interesting species. Like if there was a species you were out in your area and you came across an interesting fish species, like what's the one, what's the coolest one? What's the one that you're like, oh yeah, I love that fish or man, you don't see that every day. Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, there, there's maybe two or three that come to mind. Uh, big mouth buffalo, I mean, they're just an amazing fish. They're not, you know, everybody confuses them with carp, which are an invasive. Uh, 
Right. They're native. They're planktivores. They grow to a large size, you know, 25, 30 pounds are the biggest. Um, they're strong as an ox. Usually if you catch one, you've snagged it. Um, they're, they're a really neat fish. We also have some, some uh, so on some of our rivers and, and Lake Mitchell, a pretty good flathead catfish uh, populations. And uh, there, there's a small group of folks, uh, well, I would call it a growing group of folks that, that really target those fish. And, and uh, in our sampling, we've seen, seen fish close to 50 pounds. <clears throat> so there's right on. There's some pretty pretty good fishing to be had there, but most of that occurs right in the middle of the night. Right. What are those are those fishermen saying anything about you know because we can jug fish or float fish now? The commission made that you know available to anglers. Are those the guys that are doing any of that stuff, or are they more late night? Um, you know, sitting at the on a bank somewhere, just in one spot, targeting a specific hole or specific fish. Yeah, I think I think they're mostly doing that. They're often using, uh, well, they almost always are using um, live bait. Uh, uh, you can use bluegills now. Mm -hmm. uh, they catch their own bait, bluegills, bullheads, um, you know, some areas, creek chubs. And uh, they're using big baits. They're using rods that look like you could get, catch a shark with them. Right. <laughs> and uh and really heavy line and uh they're they're stealth fishing for these these big fish and, and they're diehards uh uh so they'll they'll probably start when the sun goes down and and fish them uh fish them late into the night if not till uh till sunrise and it seems like the best times to catch a nice flathead are probably from about mid-May right up until the first week of July. And I think then they go into their spawning period and become more difficult to catch. But that mm -hmm. period in there, they tend to be aggressive and, and feeding, and and uh, and it's a good time to catch those fish. Sure. I, I just always thought that, that like the float fishing, jug fishing might be kind of a riot. And I, I'm trying to figure out how I can do it while floating down Lake Sharp in my kayak and have them floating next to me as I kind of pick my way down. And I think I'm going to try it, but I think it's going to end in disaster. But that's just <laughs> because I'm not good at that stuff, but I think I can do it. So, um, Let's talk about some, you know, it's it's one thing to have all these fisheries, Dave, and, and, and trying to look for improvements and stuff. But let's talk about some habitat and access. That's That's been a big part, you know, with the habitat stamp um those monies if you're buying a fishing license that money goes to you know fisheries habitat and access and in and a combo license half of it is i mean the access part of it for the regular human being like me is is easy okay you, you made a new boat ramp or you you know we've got a new we got new access to a different part of the lake by building a trail or something but talk about some of those habitat and access program projects that i know you're heavily involved with yeah, you know, we've got our habitat and access biologist, Kip Rounds, and he's very active in this area here. Um, you know, we've gotten some things that we, we haven't seen before. Uh, a couple years back, uh, uh, they really expanded the, the ramp and parking area at Lake Alvin. So, so it's a lot easier to find a par place to park there when the fishery's hot. Um, anybody who's fished uh, West 81 Lake, uh, you know that basically your launch point is a is a road that goes into the water and then people would park up uh up along the road and 
he was able to secure a lease and create a, a grass parking lot there, which which I know talking to people has, has been greatly appreciated. Uh, um, we're putting in a new access at Lake Whitewood. The old one had gotten flooded multiple times, was pretty much destroyed. And and so this one will will allow for more parking, allow for better winter access, we think, as well as uh, if we get that rare occasion where you get to put a boat in and, and have a summer fishery, should should handle that a lot better. And then I think the biggie, you know, we've always done small habitat projects. Oh, we'll stick some trees in this lake, Christmas trees or mm-hmm. or, or this, that, or the other. But but we're we're on the cusp of starting to do some some big lake renovations. Um one right here that I can think of is is Lake Alvin. Um they're gonna replace that spillway that's aging and had been damaged by flooding. Uh, and then we'll put in drawdown capabilities so we can draw it down. And if you can draw down a reservoir, you you compact that loose sediment, you you aerify the 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 lake bottom, you get plant growth, you get rejuvenation, you kind of get that new reservoir effect, and, and and that really helps helps the fishery. And you know we may put a retention pond to the upside to catch silt and sediment because. Many of these water bodies are old and they they're uh, you know they they're degraded, and, and so we hope that to see a, a big improvement, uh, more aquatic vegetation, uh, more insect life, uh, faster growing fish, um, you know, uh, bigger fish. Uh, so so we hope that some of these large scale projects, which is what we need to do in these situations, will will benefit fisheries and, and provide uh, opportunity that we haven't seen before. Right. And, it, you know, the funny thing is, growing up where I did, you know, like Wabe and those bitter and none of those lakes, Catsell Kettle, none of them existed when I was there. You know, those were, you go up to Fort Siston and look around and go, why would they build a fort here? You know, and then immediately, you know, you get all these new water bodies, these new lakes. And these fish just explode. And and it's easy for people to say, well, you know, these fish were just here and, and now they've got room to grow, if you will. But but the reality of what you're saying is like a rejuvenated or a new water body and, and the growth potential. I mean, it's just like a, a five-year-old growing and, and compared to somebody who's my age, you know, <laughs> everything's going faster, you know. So there's a lot of there's a lot of hope for that. And I, I know people are excited about it. And, and I and I can't wait to see the progress of, you know, especially Lake Alvin and then where you and Kip and, and the other folks in the fisheries plan to go next. It's exciting stuff. Yeah, we're we're looking forward. You know, the habitat stamp has really <clears throat> made a lot of this possible. And so so we're 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 looking forward to the opportunities that is that it's going to allow us that we're in the past we're just basically pipe dreams uh you know we could we could put them in our plans but we knew that we weren't going to have the funding to right. actually address them right good stuff um just one last question um if you can believe it we've been on for 50 minutes already so it goes fast but um what about invasive species? I know a lot of places we've been, you know, been talking about with the guys on the river, we're talking about um, specifically zebra mussels, but what about, you know, like down in your area, the the Asian carp and, and is there any expansion been going on with that? I mean, just explain, I think, I think it, it, it needs to be explained every once in a while what those fish need to spawn and, and why they're kind of 
why they are where they are. I mean, other than being moving up river from Mississippi. Yeah, you know, they they do need those egg when they deposit their eggs, they need to drift in the current for a period of time and and I've heard up to, you know, they need 60 miles of undammed water. I'm not sure if that's truly the case uh but but the eggs the eggs do need to drift in the current in order to hatch. And so so typically you don't get them in in your lakes. However, with the flooding that that happened in in 2019, we did end up um, getting getting silver carp, bighead carp, and paddlefish in Lake Byron over by Huron because it connected to the James River. Right. And, and then just this winter, we didn't know they were in there, but uh, uh, Silver Lake down by the town of Freeman. Uh, winter killed, and lo and behold, there were there were big-headed carp in Silver Lake. Um, now, I, I mean, people should not put up the warning flag because of this. Uh, you know, they they really can't have expanded any further than that. And 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 honestly, so far to date, the falls at Sioux Falls have have kept uh, kept uh, invasive carps from moving up past Sioux Falls. And then the the dam at Lake Vermilion, they haven't really, we haven't documented any expansion of carp up past that because the Vermilion River flows all the way to Lake Thompson. Now the James River is a different story, um, no big impediments, and so so the silver carp have made it all the way up to uh, to North Dakota. Mm-hmm. But uh, I would say that populations seem to be stable. You get. You get a big flood year like we had, and 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 silver carp seem to reproduce really well along with about every other river fish, and and so we may get a pulse of those fish uh, uh, here down the road, but uh, but it seems like populations have remained pretty constant um, over the last decade, decade and a half. What and this is. You know, you can give me a dirty look if you want to hear, but what's the lifespan of like one of those silver carp, you know, like say like the folks at Lake Byron, there's a bunch of them in there. You know, do you, has it affected the fishery? And then what's the lifespan? When when can they expect those to die about the exact same time it's going to flood in there again? Yeah, you know, <laughs> I, I think I'm not sure if it's been looked at. They Some of these carp might be longer lived than we think. I mean, I'm thinking... 10 12 years but uh but i think they've seen some greater longevity than that on mm-hmm. on on some of them uh um so uh you know yeah they they get pretty big but they they have they experience mortality every year and start to sure. dwindle in number and if they're not able to successfully reproduce they eventually just kind of kind of blink out in these in these situations right yeah, it's just interesting stuff, and I figured since I had somebody on there on here that finally knows what he's talking about when it comes to those, I'd I'd ask you. Cool. Well, what did I miss? Anything? Boy, I I can't think of. A, I think we pretty much covered her all, Chris. All right. Awesome. Well, thanks for your time. I appreciate it, Dave, and uh, hope to have you on sometime soon, and we can and uh, maybe hit some tennis balls at each other. I'll maybe let my daughter hit some tennis balls at you. So. <laughs> Sounds good. Awesome. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. I've been time flying just past by without saying hi to me. I've been time flying just past by without saying bye to me. Yeah. Cool.
Good stuff from Mr. Lucchese. Really good stuff. Uh, early April, you know, we're, we're pretty much dealing with ice out, so get those fishing rods out and tune up your boat and get that ready if you're if you got if you're lucky enough to have a good fishing boat if not now's the time to get out and hit the shorelines and uh, catch some fish uh, fishing around this pier area i've been out quite a few times in, from the shore and some nights it's good and some nights it's okay but it's still fishing and uh, having a ton of fun hearing some uh, reports of some big pike being caught up in the northern part of lake Oahe. Um, haven't heard much down on the southern end, but I know that will get going if anybody is interested in that. But just get out and fish. Uh, what do we else we got? Turkey, got archery turkey going right now. So break out the box call and the mouth call and go be sneaky and try to shoot a turkey. That's always a ton of fun. Um, mentored turkey available. I know I talked about that last time, but, uh, go through and get a mentored turkey license for one of your kiddos or, uh, or have one of your, friends if they have kids and they don't hunt and they're interested in it to have them get them a license and take them out and enjoy a little bit of quiet time in a blind and and listen to the world go by also what else we got uh, oh commission meeting this week in watertown thursday friday uh give it a listen and zoom they're talking some elk seasons and uh starting with some of that stuff so that's always good um and i encourage you to go even if you can't listen live go back through our website and uh, take a look at the agenda and see what they're doing. If something interests you, you can find it. I track all those agenda items. We record everything. So if there's something in there that's interesting, you can go back on our website, just click it, listen to what the commission or any presenters had to say about that stuff. But get involved with that commission process and at least know what's going on so you don't get surprised in any upcoming seasons. Um, other than that, get out and enjoy yourself. It's uh, the time of year where we all have a little bit of cabin fever. And it's easy to cure that by getting out and fishing or walking or bird watching or hiking or whatever you like to do. But uh, have a lot of fun. Once again, if you like these episodes, um, this is the third of five of the fishing managers, fisheries managers, ones that I'm going to be doing. If you like those, tell your friends, you know, hit the smash the like button, the subscribe button. Um, we always put them out on social media and on and through targeted emails. So if you got an idea or you got an opinion, I'm glad to hear it. I got thick skin, so let me have it. So thanks again for listening, and uh, take care until next time.